strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. It's the Mike Broomhead Show. We're here until noon and appreciate you spending some time with us. want to remind you the weather's getting warmer. KTAR and Fulton Homes are reminding you that two seconds is too long to take your eyes off your kids around water. For life-saving water safety tips and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, text the word SWIM to 620-620. It's been an update um, according to court documents. That I've that I've seen court documents are now telling us what happened with this shooting in the city of Phoenix. Um, I want to get into the details, possibly with this a little bit more, but I want to talk more about why this is such an issue for me, and it should be for all of us. We've all. I, I, let me acknowledge something because I am all. I am always so pro law enforcement, and I'm unapologetically pro law enforcement. My brother's a cop. My sister in law is a cop. Many people I consider friends are police officers, um, deputies, troopers. Um, I've had negative run-ins with officers. I've had a, two significant issues in my life in interactions with police officers where police officers were just flat out horrible in their behavior. It's happened to me twice in my life. Um, I've never been arrested, um, which I know surprises most of you. I've never been arrested. But I've had traffic stops and other things, and I've had two experiences that were absolutely awful. One of the police officers I had a horrible interaction with ended up going to prison. And uh, the punchline of that story is while he was in prison, he became a lawyer. Now he's a defense attorney. So, you know, you fill in your own joke there. But I acknowledge that there are officers that shouldn't be cops. There, there are. And I think every police officer, deputy or trooper you would run into would acknowledge in a moment of honesty that there are people that should not be in that profession, just like every other profession. But the way people do things, when you look at an agency, and, and I've used the comparison because I think it's a fair comparison. In education, we know that there are teachers that prey upon children. They take advantage of children, whether it's sexually with with physical contact or through text messaging and pictures. Um, They use their position of authority to prey upon children. We don't accuse the entire education system of needing an overhaul. We aren't spending in the city of Phoenix millions of dollars to open up an office of people that are not educators to oversee education. And and saying that this is a systemic problem, but we have now are doing that with law enforcement. The city of Phoenix is dangerously low of of, of on employees. They are re um, they are reallocating the assets of police officers from out of specialty details into patrol to make sure the patrol officers are able to fulfill the the duties of patrol. Um, this. Shooting that happened at 27th Avenue in Maryland, uh, that 27th Avenue corridor has deteriorated. I moved here in 1995, and I was an electrician that worked all over the valley. And one of the areas I worked in a lot was 27th Avenue Indian School in that area. And there was crime there. It was it was not a nice part of town. That crime expanse goes all the way up north and south on 27th Avenue to the point where Phoenix PD is trying to get a handle on the crime that's committed in that area. The good people that live in those neighborhoods, and those are the people that we should all be focusing on, deserve to live in a safe area. Just because it's a working class area, working class, poor, let's use the word poor, working class or poor people do do not equate with criminals and do not equate with dirty. 
what happens is the criminals are in those areas and they take those areas over and the good people will have to hide from the criminals. You don't feel safe in your own home. So what happened was law enforcement, the Phoenix PD was trying to pull over a vehicle and the vehicle didn't pull over. And um, they went past, very slowly past an apartment complex, and someone from the apartment complex came out and shot at the Phoenix police vehicle. They found 18 shell casings, 18 9-millimeter shell casings at the scene. 18. One officer shot in the wrist, the other hit with with flying glass. Neither of them life-threatening, thank God. 18 rounds. Lucky nobody died. It's the second time in a couple of months that police officers have been ambushed. And it is a, a trend that has to stop. Making those demons heroes is not the way to do things. An officer that does the wrong thing, a, a law enforcement officer that does the wrong thing needs to be held accountable. Either suspending them, losing their job, putting them in jail, whatever has to happen if they break the law. But to demonize the entire profession is the wrong thing to do. So 18 shots at this vehicle. Well, in court documents, it is uh, it is recorded that the shooter turns out to be the older brother of the driver that they were pursuing. He was on the phone with his brother. He drove slowly past the apartment complex intentionally. That's my word, not the report's word. And they opened fire on the police cruiser. He then ran back into the apartment, dismantled the gun. And tried to scrub the gunshot residue off with bleach. Subsequent investigation, they found witnesses that saw him running with a gun. The shooter, his name is Devontae Thornton. He's 28 years old. He's got a felony weapons conviction and was placed on probation out of St. Louis, Missouri. And he has an extraditable felony warrant out of St. Louis, Missouri. Why was he? Why did he have a gun? You want to take my gun away from me, then that would cure the problem of that guy having a gun? No, it's not. No, it's not. I need to have a gun because there's guys like that that still have them, and they're on the street when they shouldn't be. So this guy runs back into the apartment. Police in the investigation found a backpack with um, a credit card that had the suspect's name on it and cocaine in the backpack. So they found a dismantled gun. They found cocaine, and he shot 18 times at a police cruiser. Somebody tell me what the hell that guy was doing out on the streets. And we want to demonize law enforcement. There are not enough cops. There are not enough cops in every city in this valley. And everybody's hiring. And the Phoenix Police Department's at a disadvantage for this reason. The Phoenix City government has gone the way of many big city governments in buying into the defund the police movement and trying to pacify the defund the police movement crowd. And they've done it by creating an office of accountability and transparency. I am all for accountability, and I am absolutely in favor of transparency. But if you think an office that is set up that is not allowed to have anybody work in that office that has law enforcement experience is out there looking out for law enforcement and making sure they're being transparent, I just think you're wrong. It sends the wrong message. The message it sends is you can do your internal investigation. You can set up. A state body that's going to investigate all shootings involving or violent altercations involving officers. You can have a county attorney's office that does the investigation. We don't believe any of that. We need civilians who don't like cops to do their own investigation. Now, they don't have arrest powers. They don't have punishment powers. They have advisory powers through the city of Phoenix. 
this Office of Accountability and Transparency. You may have an investigation by Phoenix PD. You may have an investigation, and you will. Phoenix PD does an investigation. So does um, their, their, their Internal Affairs or uh, Professional Standards Bureau. The county attorney's office does a criminal investigation. And they are forming, it looks like they will be forming a new state agency to also do an investigation. By the way, that includes civilian input. And then with all of that, you're going to have an office of accountability and transparency. And if that office, when that office, not if, when that office still disagrees with any finding by the other three agencies, that will be used in a courtroom with lawsuits against the city of Phoenix Police Department and you, the taxpayer. But the worst part is it's chasing cops away. Cops are going to go to cities where they feel appreciated by city management. Period. End of story. And if they don't feel like the city's got their back when they haven't done anything wrong, if they're not given the benefit of the doubt, they will go work somewhere somewhere where they are. And I don't want to see good cops leave Phoenix. I live in Phoenix. I love the city of Phoenix. And I think the Phoenix Police Department does stellar work. We, the voters, need to do something different about what the city of Phoenix makeup is as far as government goes. That's on us. It is on us to back the blue in real terms at the polls. Coming up in a moment, we are going to talk about uh, what's happening in Ukraine, what's going on today. We had a great interview with someone, and we're going to tell you how you can help. All that's coming up in just a couple of moments. KTAR News on 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Now, continuing coverage of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the Mike Broomhead Show. Uh, Russians are seeking military aid and equipment from China, uh, according to latest reports. Uh, We know that things are not going as well as people had hoped, but they are still fighting very hard in Ukraine and trying to fend off the Russian invasion. Um, There are a couple of things that have also transpired over the weekend that I want to address in the more in the bigger picture of what's happening in the region and what's happening in the world. Um, The president's poll numbers on many things are absolutely brutal. According to a new poll from ABC News and an Ipsos poll, um, the results are are pretty, pretty tough on the Biden administration. Um, the White House faces concerns and numbers related to economic recovery. 58%, 58% people disapprove a 12-month high on inflation. 29, what, 70% disapprove, only 29% approve. On gas prices, 70% disapprove, only 28% approve. So the narrative is out there in the argument about politics, but let's talk about why there is a disapproval. We've talked about the Chinese and how the Chinese are not going to back the Russians if the Russians become a liability. I don't think the Russian alliance with um, Russia – or I'm sorry, the Chinese alliance with Russia is, is um, – set in stone. I think that this is about what they believe they can do together. But if the if they decimate the military of the Russians to the point that they have to rely on the Chinese, the Chinese are struggling right now with more COVID and everything else, supply chain issues, and they're trying to get their economy back out of all of this, out of this quagmire as well. Do they now want to have to have a liability in Russia where they are dependent on the Chinese? And I don't think that they do. But here's a bigger issue in the region. And it's this goes to inflation and it goes to a couple of other things. Um, 
we've talked about gas prices in this country. And if you look at the nations that our president has gone to, the Saudis, the UAE, who refused to take his phone call, which we highlighted last week a great deal. But he's also talked about the Iranians upping production, and they say they will be happy to up production when the U.S. lifts all sanctions. And part of that is going to be part of the nuclear deal we are still working on with the Iranian government. I want you to think about the danger in the world if the Iranians get a nuclear weapon. They just lobbed four missiles into Iraq. Over the weekend, the Iranians lobbed four missiles into Iraq. Now, no American assets were damaged. They said it had something to do with Israel. And the Israelis are coming back out. Netanyahu, the former prime minister of Israel, is coming out and begging the U.S. not to do a nuclear deal with the Iranians. The other nation they've talked to are the Venezuelans. We have the ability to produce more oil. We've shown it. We were energy independent. You can't – you just cannot – overstate that that energy independence you can demonize and i i I will i'm not even going to speak against the people that believe we have to stop using petroleum-based products i'm not going to argue with you about climate change i'm not there's no point in it but i will argue about what we're doing in the meantime wouldn't it make sense That if the American government was going to accelerate our race to alternative fuels such as electric vehicles and other means that are cleaner than fossil fuels, that you would do that at the same pace of reduction of fossil fuels. That as we become more reliant on alternative fuels and as fossil fuels become less necessary, then we stop production. We slow down production of those fuels because we haven't changed anything with climate change in the world. In the mind, in your own mind, we are still using as much fossil fuels in America as we have always used, or as you know, where we haven't changed it. This administration hasn't changed the use of fossil fuels in the world. What they've done is they've changed who produces them. We have given our enemies and sworn enemies of our way of life, if not our country specifically, we have given them more power by enriching them, by allowing them to control the fuel production, therefore the prices in the world. And if you don't believe that's true, you're not paying attention or you are so politically inclined that you refuse to acknowledge a mistake. This administration has stopped the production of the Keystone Pipeline. Over 600,000 or whatever it was, 700,000 barrels, a million barrels of oil a day would be in that pipeline. And that's been shut down. The, uh, they, the president talked about more fees and stopping drilling, both uh, domestically, onshore and offshore. Federal lands, making it tougher with the permitting process. And the fossil fuel industry is saying this at every level. And on top of that, they have demonized the fossil fuel industry. They have put out their price gouging and profiteering and language like that. The fact of the matter is they use an excuse of saying, you know, that the the price of oil is set by the OPEC nations. Well, it didn't have to be. There is a reason why at one time in recent years we were were self-sufficient when it came to oil and gasoline was $2.50 a gallon, $2.80 a gallon. Go back and look at the numbers. You can see the charts of where the gas prices were. So this administration has a lot of answering to do, and the war in Ukraine is one I still think we'd be better off by sending them planes, 
that we, if we let them fight their own fight, we're giving them, what's the difference between a Stinger missile? What's the difference between the anti-tank missiles and weaponry, anti-aircraft missiles and weaponry we're giving them and giving them airplanes at this point? What's the difference? Too slow, weakness, and it's showing with our enemies. And I think that's the problem. Is the federal government targeting elections and COVID doubters? We're going to talk about what Homeland Security is calling people that disagree with their narrative. We'll talk about that. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. I want to remind you again, weather's getting warmer. KTAR and Fulton Homes are reminding you that two seconds is too long to take your eyes off kids around water. For life-saving tips, water safety tips, and to enter to win swim lessons from the YMCA, just text the word SWIM to 620-620. I want to talk a little bit about transparency, and uh, and there's a reason why I, I, I believe in transparency, um, and I believe in it on both sides. I am uh, I'm not as good. I, I mean, I want to be perfect. No one is. Uh, um, sometimes I fall way short of the things that I want to be good at. Um, I want to be fair, and I try to be. I, I've got my opinions, but I try to be fair. When it came to the to the um, audit of the Maricopa County elections, I did not like the company they hired, and I did not like the way it was done. Which made people on my side of the aisle very upset, some of them. But at the same time, I also agreed with an idea for an audit. And that made people on the other side of the aisle angry. Well, hang on a minute. I want you to hear, this is the White House press secretary. And she is talking about trying to get rid of disinformation. And one of the big steps we've taken and made a decision to take is to declassify information. If you look back at 2014 and frankly even 2016 when Russia invaded Ukraine and then in 2016 when they, you know, of course, hacked our election here, we did not do that. We did not declassify information. They never hacked anything. And that's been proven. Um, The Trump administration was investigated for the better part of all four years while he was in office, and there was zero proof ever found. As a matter of fact, the Mueller report said not only did no one from the Trump administration or the Trump campaign work with the Russians, they couldn't find any evidence that any American worked with the Russians. We know that the Russians have been trying to get into our our campaigns and disrupt our elections for decades. That's no secret. That's what Putin does. But for the press secretary to say that they hacked our elections, that's not true but is that disinformation should that be subject to some kind of legal punishment the reason why i say that is because um, the department of homeland security is talking about making sure that the truth is told so they are calling people domestic terrorists that are um, giving out misinformation when it comes to covid19 and its treatments and when it comes to the stealing of the 2020 election So it's okay for Hillary Clinton to write a book that said 2016 was stolen from her because of Russian interference, that if it weren't for Russian interference, she would have won that election. And for the White House press secretary to say it, those are all okay because they fall in line with the federal government's narrative. What happens? I I want you to really think about this to everybody else on the side of the aisle that sides with Jen Psaki and Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and and Mayorkas and all these other people. What happens 
if Donald Trump runs for president again, wins the primary again, and beats Joe Biden, what happens then? Because the same power you're giving the federal government to weed out disinformation is now going to do a 180, and they're going to tell you that what you're doing is domestic terrorism. Because their stance is the election was stolen and it's taken it away from the people and there are people that believe it and you think that's dangerous. Well, what happens if they say calling the 2016 election a fraud is dangerous? Not much difference. So in all fairness, the cyber ninjas in Arizona, the Supreme Court, they asked the Supreme Court to remove a $50,000 a day penalty, which was denied. The cyber ninjas, for all of their complaints about lack of transparency from the county board of supervisors or from whatever they were saying, uh, they're the ones not being transparent. They want to hide documents that the courts have over and over and over and over and over and over again told them that they have to submit. And they're being fined $50,000 a day when they don't comply. To me, that's lack of transparency. Just like anything else is lack of transparency when you are asked for something and you don't give it over. Um. But this thing with the Department of Homeland Security concerns me when what you do when you want to defeat this, uh, defeat someone like this, you marginalize them, you demonize them, you call them the fringe. I, I feel for people on both sides of the political aisle when they speak their mind about something and they're demonized. I don't agree with a lot of what people say, and I will explain why I don't like what they say when you start talking conspiracy theorist and. You start doing all those things and you start marginalizing people's opinions. And I mean this is an honest question. For the people out there that demonized the Senate president in Arizona, Karen Fan, for commissioning this audit, did you demonize the people in the United States Congress like Adam Schiff? Or let's go Nancy Pelosi because she's the one as the House of Representatives of the Speaker. She's the one that authorized all the investigation using two different committees, intelligence and judiciary, for over three years investigating Donald Trump. If you demonize one, you got to demonize the other. Unless you're just stuck on saying, oh, no, but there was proof of Russia. In this country, I am entitled to my opinion. I am entitled to speak about my opinion, to write about my opinion, to profit off of my opinion. Just like you are. And when you have legislators, when you have people at the highest level, you're talking about the attorney general of the United States. I'm, and I'm sorry, the director of Homeland Security in Mayorkas, using language like domestic terrorism, threat to the country, dangerous. When you call someone's opinion dangerous, it's not dangerous if somebody – if you give out an opinion that says the best way to treat COVID-19 is hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin. And somebody else reads that, you wrote that online, and they go out and they buy it. That's on them. We have advertisements for things all the time. Burn fat while you sleep. Do this. Do that. This is going to work. That's not going to work. You're allowed to in this country. You are supposed to do your homework. I made my decision on vaccinations based on what two doctors that I trust implicitly told me. But to tell someone that their opinion is dangerous and killing people, that's how it starts. Those people are dangerous. We, the government, have to do something about it. There's a reason why the First Amendment was first. 
There's a reason why we all, every one of us, has got to protect the freedom of speech. Because every one of you right now that believes what the government is saying, there's going to come a time when there is a government in power that completely disagrees with you. Then you'll be marginalized and you'll be complaining about the lack of freedom of speech. That's why all of us collectively have to find that common ground that we hold the government accountable to keep our freedoms, our freedoms, and not create laws against them. Coming up in a moment, uh, economic numbers look good in the valley. Um, We're going to talk about homelessness, though, because it's on the rise. What can be done? What can you do? We'll talk about that coming up in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time with the show this Monday morning. Homelessness in Maricopa County remains upward on an upward trend. Over 5,000 people were homeless in unsheltered situations on the night of January 25th. Um, that number has gone up 35% from 2020. So what we knew was going to happen when, you know, there are going to be people that are left behind when you have inflation going up the way that it is right now. There are going to be people left behind. We are seeing an uptick in homelessness. I think all of us are kind of noticing it on the streets. Um, if you're new to the show, I have a different view of homelessness. Um, I have a cousin who died that was homeless and he died on the streets um, much by his own choice. I understand the argument, agree with the argument in many cases that there are people that are homeless by their own choosing. They don't choose to get off the streets. They don't choose a path out. And um, that doesn't mean that they're not human beings. I want to be clear about this. Um, Homelessness has a story. And my cousin's story was, you know, it was just tragic in my mind. But my cousin did not want to leave the streets. He had a family that would have taken him in. If he'd have cleaned up his act, if he'd have gotten off the drugs, if he would have stopped the drinking, if he'd have done those things, his family always welcomed them with open arms, uh, including me. And he chose his life, and he ended up dying and in Vegas. And so homelessness has a face for me. But there are a lot of people outside of their own doing that, you know, by circumstances have gotten them homeless. And I want you to think about your own situation that you're either in now or have been in your life. The situation of a, of a mechanical failure on your vehicle, you don't have, you don't have the credit available. You don't have credit cards or good enough credit or whatever else. If you had a breakdown of a vehicle is something as simple as a flat tire. You don't have the money to get to work the rest of the week and you're going to lose your job and you are one paycheck away from not being able to pay your rent because budget and money is very, very tight and getting tighter with inflation going through the roof. Well, it happens to some people. There are people that through a set of circumstances, no matter how long they've been employed or whatever's happened, they find themselves on the street. And the weather here in Arizona is amazing. And people migrate here because of the weather. If you're up in Flagstaff or you're up in uh, in Prescott or Prescott Valley, anywhere in northern Arizona, just inside our own state, people migrate down to the valleys to get out of the harsh conditions if you're homeless. And, you know, when it gets blazing hot here, there will people that will migrate back to northern Arizona or wherever, somewhere else. That doesn't solve the problem. And so this is where I look at this situation and I, I advocate for so many different organizations. And I've talked about, you know, our work with St. Mary's Food Bank and St. Vincent de Paul and United Food Bank and the East Valley and these organizations that are out there. Uh, Circle the City is one I've talked about very often. 
Uh, Marty Hames is the spokesperson for Circle the City and taught me so much about that organization filling medical needs for homeless people. Imagine a homeless person facing cancer and chemotherapy or radiation therapy and after their treatments going back out on the street. Um, they make sure that stuff like that doesn't happen. During COVID-19, they were such a an invaluable resource because what they were doing was stopping the the um, spread of, of as much as they could or slowing down the spread of COVID-19 in the homeless community because they're in such close quarters and getting people that were testing positive into um, into hotels that were set aside for them, that were given to them so that they could quarantine people and try to slow down that spread in the homeless community. Uh, all of these things are services that our people in the Valley offer. But it's going to take, I, I, I believe this, it takes all of us. I am someone who agrees with a lot of the actions that need to be taken. If you are a customer in front of a store, you don't need to be accosted on your way into the store, on your way out of the store by homeless people. I saw a fight on Saturday morning. There were a bunch of homeless people outside of a QT where I was getting gas. And they they started to fight. They started throwing things at each other and a fist fight was getting ready to break out. No business owner should have to tolerate that. Um, That doesn't mean that you don't understand the plight of homeless people, but it means you can't do that outside of my business when I have paying customers at a time when it struggles with every business. You shouldn't be able to do those things. There needs to be a solution to get people off the street, whether it's more shelters for people, requirements for the people that want to get off. You know, you can't have drugs here. You can't be drunk or high when you come here. All of these rules have to be in place. And then what we have to have is a concerted effort to make sure that people are doing the right thing. And uh, this is a problem that's going to continue to grow. And I believe what's going to happen is you're going to see families begin to be in the ranks of homeless. And it's heartbreaking to think that a parent right now is struggling with the idea and saying to themselves as parents or a single parent in a home, I may not have a place to sleep. My children might not have a place to sleep unless somebody takes us in. That is a difficult moment for a parent to wrap their hands around, wrap their arms around. So I just wanted to bring this uh, this to be mindful that what's going on with homelessness now we've seen a 35% increase and I don't believe it's going to go down in the near future. If you're able to give to an organization, if you're able to help with organizations that do such great work and the ones I just named are very very great ones. St. Vincent de Paul, uh, United Food Bank, St. Mary's Food Bank, which is the original food bank in the country, Circle the City serving medical needs and other things for homeless people. Now is the time if you're able to make the effort to give. I think it's an important thing for us to be able to do. It's the right thing to do, but it's how we as a community solve homelessness and at least put a dent in it. Got a great thing coming up just after 11 o'clock. A legendary broadcaster from here at KTAR for years, Pat McMahon, is going to join me. Why? The 100th anniversary of KTAR. Next.